Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Today I have invited Ara Akpala with me from Different Voice UK. Today we're having a conversation about race, race consciousness, inclusivity, social justice movements, Black Lives Matter, and humanity. Ara's voice is a little different and I think you might appreciate this conversation we're seeing an increasing trend towards authoritarian ideologies that don't allow for conversation, that don't allow for people to gain a deeper understanding of perspectives. And I think this is a really important conversation that we're about to have today. Before we get started, um, I have to pay the bills. This episode is brought to you by The Sovereign a wellness membership to move us forward in a world gone wild. Experience mental health practices to keep you grounded, physical practices like yoga and weight training to make yourself incredibly healthy, and a live and interactive inspirational community, live workshops that will create in you motivation and inspiration so that you can move forward in business, finances, nutrition, And we'll even dive into things like freedom systems, homesteading, and more. Get on the waiting list and save 50% off your membership for a limited time only. Only $20 a month. You can register in the link in the show notes. Our second sponsor is my favorite liquid collagen called Glow. I have a old and nagging hip injury from teaching yoga for 15 years, maybe from having two children of my own, that uh, I've really been working on for a long time. I, I do physio, I do yoga, I do mobility, yet the joint is still not that happy. Well, after about three weeks on glow, all that pain is gone and it's been the only thing that I've changed. Glow is the only type 1 liquid collagen on the market with high-impact nutraceuticals like Biotin, guaranteed to help your body, hair growth, and joints. You can shop at www.trenant.com slash Carla Treadway. And last but not least, I am in love with Purium products. Purium products are the greenest, cleanest superfood supplements on the market. Lately, Uh, I I just finished the 30-Day Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. It helped me reset my gut health. I dropped a few pounds. And it has ingredients that can also detox glyphosate from the body. And if you don't know what glyphosate is, please give it a Google. 
it's a really harmful product that we spray on almost all of our crops that can cause cancer, disease, um, all sorts of illness in the body. I've never felt so vibrant and light and energized. You can use code JOY25 to save 25% on any Perium product. Let's get ready for the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with me another very special guest from the UK. I've been loving my UK friends lately, Ada from Different Voices. Ada, welcome to the podcast. I'm so gl- glad to be here. Thank you so much, Carla. Thank you for inviting me on to have this conversation with you. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> Um, I was just telling Ada that I created this podcast to create more spaces to have the conversations that we're, quotation, not supposed to have right now. The conversations that are getting people canceled, the conversations that are getting people shut down. And I've really been wanting to talk about race and social justice with someone that has a really good common sense approach to everything, someone that's been brave enough to point out some things that maybe don't make sense or maybe some problems with certain social justice movements. Um, Because we get to some pretty uncomfortable places when conversation is not allowed. And I found Ada on Instagram and I was thrilled to find her because she really just has some very common sense ideas that deserve to be talked about. Ada, can you tell us a little bit about what what you do with different voices, first of all, and, and what brought you to this work? Sure, definitely. Um, so I run the Different Voice <laughs> initiative, but everyone <laughs> does get it wrong, but it's fine. And it's great it's actually good in a way because then it allows me to clarify why it's different voice and not different voices because Mm. I do believe um that as human beings we have we we have the same sort of um I, I our ideas will differ obviously depending on our culture our group history and so on and so forth but at the end of at the end of the day, we're all the same. And we the different voice space is a space for sharing for um for those who have, you know, an opinion that maybe not um it's not so much accepted in the mainstream. So my space is a space where a truly safe space, I can say, where they can completely feel free to express their views, their thoughts. Um, it doesn't have to be in line with what I think, but it, it's just their own own authentic um, ideologies and, and views of how they see the world. Because, you know, nowadays we live in a world of, you know, hate. Uh, we live in a world of, of fear. We live in a world of sensationalism, a lot of negativity. Um, every sphere of, of cultural society, so be it the racial sphere, be it Um, the gender identity sphere and so on and so forth any area to do with social interaction is becoming more and more toxic 
it's becoming more and more polarized in how people see the world and that's causing a lot of issues that's causing a lot of conflicts as we're seeing highlighted in the media from time to time so I created this space just for it to be a little bit different we talk about um I I share my opinions about current events um especially pertaining to race um I share my thoughts on historical events pertaining to racial history so um, slavery, colonization, just bringing a different perspective to the table without diminishing anyone else's viewpoint or any any group's um, way of seeing these events. But I think sometimes it, we, we, we sort of navigate in this narrowest um, restrictive way of seeing things or being presented things. And I was just trying to, I'm, I am just trying to do something a little bit different. So I write, um, I um, share my opinions on social media. Um, I, pot I um, have a podcast as well, Challenging Narratives. So all that with, with that aim of, of driving unity and um, harmony and different perspectives. I, I think that's what drew me to you as well, is that you're really an advocate for everyone to have a voice and share a perspective. It's it's not just the black community. You are advocating for many different groups of people. Yes, um, that is a great passion of mine, and that is a very big aspect of Different Voice Initiative. Because when I first started my social, you know, social commentary, um, even though I was very general, I I, I really focused on race and race relations and racial commentary in the beginning, um, especially in relation to um, the narrative about so-called blackness um, and making this akin to oppressed, oppression, being oppressed, being burdened and so on and so forth. So I was pushing back against that narrative that was happening in the UK as well and is still happening in the UK. And I felt, Though I was being general, very general, I was getting a lot of pushback and I was getting a lot of comments saying, well, you are not able to speak. So be it pushed back from the American um, side where they would say, well, you cannot speak because you are not American. Though I wasn't just speaking in relation to black people in America, I was speaking generally, even people, even internationally going, moving beyond the UK and America, other parts of the world. Or it would be um, those from the UK, black people from the UK saying, well, you can't speak because you're not from the UK. I'm actually Nigerian. So I kept seeing that there, there was this behavior of finding reasons to exclude a person. So in that situation, myself, for not fitting a certain criteria. Then I saw it extending into other spaces, such as spaces regarding um, reproductive rights for women where men was, were told they couldn't speak so that exclusion there um, bringing it back to race where white people were told they couldn't have an opinion because they were white and not black again finding that exclusion however if you do find that you fit into the narrative of what the mainstream or the majority was saying then you weren't excluded so I, I definitely agree with that that we are seeing more and more of this push to have a linear unilateral way of thinking and, and seeing things and yes that's definitely a big a big big part I think on Twitter or, or Instagram I think it's actually on my bio 
you know I am here to include you in the conversation because you don't have a valid a less valid viewpoint because you're not part of this so-called constructed group or whatever even if it's a naturally constructed group your opinion is just as valid and sometimes Carla even more even more because you are you are you don't have if I can say that emotional attachment or involvement or investment in that I in that issue so you have you have what I call the privilege to look at things from a from from the outside, and sometimes you just need to. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been. I mean, I'm not going to say anything new here. Everyone listening will know exactly what I'm saying. When you're in a situation and you're so focused on the problem, and then someone just says, "Just step out a bit," and all you need to do is just step out. You see things in a different way. And you breeze through the solution to that problem. So I actually welcome those who are not in the so-called group to, to give their opinion because it, you see that it's new and refreshing ideas and perspectives. Yeah. Well, I've, I've also noticed when someone actually does fit that category or label, but if their opinion differs, they will still find reasons then why your opinion shouldn't matter. Either you are associating with whiteness or you have been manipulated by this group or tokenized. So even then, even when you do fit that category, they're like, no, actually you're, there's no uh, diversity of opinion allowed. Exactly, and, and I always say that is the greatest injustice to the black individual. This idea that they cannot think, think outside of the narrative and that and those thoughts be their own authentic thoughts. I recently did a video on YouTube talking about the increased discrimination that I was observing and witnessing against white people. And I'm going to put out an article about false, false accusations of racism. I'm trying to compile a little mini guide in relation to that. And all 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 the all this sort of work I'm doing invited comments such as well you must be you know are you being paid by a white person or you know who has brainwashed you and I'm I'm, I'm thinking to myself I'm an individual who has agency who has my own thoughts these events and these situations is what I'm witnessing with my own two eyes I don't need someone else to point it out or try and brainwash me to see that and you know, that, that's the most insulting thing about, you know, if I can say the narrative, this idea that if you think, if not even think differently, you know, if you just deviate slightly, it invites all sorts of labels and actually quite racially charged um, um, abuse and slurs against you. Hmm. It's, there are a lot of uh, contradictions I find with the heavy push of, of cancel culture. We had some protests here in Canada and I was personally working with a few different uh, reserve communities who were in support of this particular protest and what was going on. And I was getting a lot of kickback from white people saying that, no, this hurts indigenous people and and I was trying to bring to light, well, these are the people that I'm working with and they're in support. And of course, not everyone thinks the same in, in this group. And I was getting, again, a lot of pushback from white people saying, 
well, they're being tokenized. And which is really funny to me because you have a white person telling an indigenous person what they should think about uh, their, their actions, their thoughts and opinions and beliefs. And like that to me is a huge contradiction. How about you let them think for themselves? Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's this emotional kind of um, empathy, I call it, you know, because I don't believe that they're necessarily sort of, sometimes it's the case, but I don't always think that they're trying to um, speak or think or feel on behalf of the so-called Indigenous person or marginalised group or protected group or whatever you want to call it these, these days. But I think it's a mix of that emotionalised empathy and guilt and a sense of there's so much injustice in the world, what can I do? And they sort of latch onto something, but just for conscience sake. Because as you said, if you speak you know, with many of these uh, individuals or groups that, you know, you claim to be fighting and advocating for, you would see that they have, you know, different issues, different concerns and different thoughts and beliefs about the issues you think they have, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You know, if you, for example, there's been um, studies or research um, in disenfranchised black communities, I believe more in the US, you know, and they've been asked, would you like more or less police in your neighborhood? And without a doubt, they would say, we need more police, look at our neighborhoods. You know, Tyler Perry, the, the black director and actor, he said, we need more police. We need more police in our streets. And yet, you have a small group of people who have self-appointed themselves um, to speak globally, actually, for what Black people need. And it's not just, you know, in terms of race, it could be the um, LGBTQ plus communities or and, and so on and so forth, women's groups. You know, you have a small number raising themselves up to have the best, well, so-called best interests of that group. And you will see that it's they're completely far far from what the individuals of those groups actually want or care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it always raises red flags for me uh, when there's a lot of aggression and, and push in that way. Um, follow along or we will punish you because every movement has its dark side. Every movement has its dark side, religion, social justice causes, whatever it is. It has amazing people in it and it has bad people in it. And I, I think when someone is able to soften into a conversation, I'm more likely to to hear and take on what they're saying. But I think I think this is new. What we're witnessing in the last two years, especially, and maybe I'm just seeing it for the first time in the last few years, is this aggressive form of authoritarianism, fall in line or else. And it's really concerning to me because the work that I do with people in coaching, we really stay away from labels. I try and break down what a label means, break down the meaning of words and language, but especially the idea of absolutes. I am just this way. Things are just this way. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of these ideologies is, is a very, there's a firmness there. There's no room for, uh, inquiry there's no room for um poking holes in the theory it's just this way or beat it exactly 
exactly and it's so unnatural so unnatural because this this is not how human beings are designed um now I can say that in you know early man in the time of early man and early woman perhaps it was a little bit different right it was a thing of I am just man and I am just woman or whatever they termed it back in those days and my sole purpose in life is to survive is not to die right but I think now we we we've I wouldn't say we're more complex because that's inaccurate but we've we're learning about how complex the human being actually is and we have become more complex in terms of you know understanding how intelligent we are development and innovation of tools science and and discovery of science and things like that so we can't or it's impossible for an individual nowadays to just be one thing and that is the fault of language though that is in my opinion that is the fault of having this urge and necessity to to want to describe one another in 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 the first place right or or understand how other human beings are and how we work and things like that and that's where these labels come from because with discovery came these labels um that's how the the racial categories were constructed albeit in in those times in the 18th century it was for specific purpose to carry out you know the barbaric actions of of slavery to justify it shall i say so all these labels all these constructions have come and in my opinion they only serve to confine a person you know in fact i i that's what i i regret not saying at the beginning of when you asked me you know who i was and what i did what i should have said is well first of first and foremost i'm a human I'm a human being before anything else, right? Before I am so-called black or Nigerian or or a writer or a podcaster or a commentator or a daughter, or, you know, I'm a human being. And all those other things and roles, they encompass who I am as a human being. And if we take away these labels, we will see how much how much in common we all actually have which is what i was trying to say in the beginning we have so much in common in terms of what we want what we need right values and principle it's very similar the difference is the ideas of how we can achieve those values that's a different thing for example we may all want a happiness right Mm -hmm. what does that mean to each and every single one of us completely different things you know, nowadays, the, the main idea is that to be happy is to have a lot and to be known by a lot of people, right? To go to a lot of places. So it's a lot of a lot. Okay, so that is the mainstream idea. Fine. Look, there is nothing wrong with that. As long as you can separate yourself if you need, if you want to, because some people do want that. And also that's not a problem because that is their own personal idea of what happiness is. But you mentioned aggression earlier. The problem is when people try to impose on the other, they don't leave the other be of how to pursue their own happiness, but it's when they try to impose, well, that's not how I see what happiness is. Mm, I'm uncomfortable with that because if you go through that and you're happy, then there must be something wrong with my happiness or incomplete you know about my happiness and that's where the issue is and just mentioning something um following this idea of aggression 
it is new in terms of the scale of the aggression and sort of the force and the polarization but I do think it has existed through time um hence the reason that we have seen you know global conflict cultural conflict social conflict through time be it for religious purposes actually mainly for religious purposes and when when um, other cultures were sort of discovering, you know, different cultures. Now it's just moved from the religious aspect of, you know, Catholicism and Protestants and all these things to more racial and identity. So I think it is similar. I mean, it has been bloodier actually in, in, in the past. In some parts of the world, it is quite a bloody affair, you know, when, when differences exist. But I am in the UK in, in Canada, um, in the US as well, it, it, it is definitely bad, but I think not the scale. I don't want to say yet. Let me not say yet, but not the scale as we've seen um, throughout history. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you're basically saying things have just changed or morphed into something else. And human beings need some sort of religion. If it isn't God, if it isn't religion, it, it is something to believe in powerfully. And some of these movements have even morphed into this. And when I look at how some things have changed, one thing that I've been reading a lot about lately is Marxism. And in Marx, it was a heavy focus on class consciousness, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. And there's some writers that are comparing that to what's happening with race consciousness right now. Do you see some similarities there? Definitely. Um, and I do agree that um, humans um, always look for something to, um, I would say, worship, because worship just means where you direct your attention to, right? Your elevated attention to. And nowadays, um, and obviously praise and, and focus and so on. And nowadays that has translated um, to race in two ways. If you're part of the so-called um, marginalized group, then there is um, this quote unquote encouragement for you to almost idolize your group identity. So that's why we see some movements um, in relation to pride, right? So this pride and, for example, black pride, you know, there is that call to have that um, conscious pride in, in your identity. And in if you're, let's say, in the white, in racialized white group and or in the so-called oppressor group, it's kind of a reverse kind of um, obsession. So wherever you go, you must see race. Um, you must see how um, the what power dynamics are at play in that given situation, and how you might be contributing because of your white skin, because of your racial category, you know, to the discomfort or the unease of, you know. And by the way, the other everyone might be fine in the room. Like it could be just having a cup of coffee with your friend, but we've been encouraged to see race yes. everywhere, to see how race plays, you know, in, in different, even very innocent settings, you know, come on, if you have literature coming up, coming out about maybe babies can be racist, then what is safe? You know, who is safe? You know, you're unconsciously racist because it's been bred into you inherently. If you have language like that and people are 
you know, living out their lives, you know, in, in different situations with that underneath the surface, then of course there's going to be um, misunderstandings and conflicts and blowouts and so on and so forth. But yes, I, I think it's, it's definitely, I think a lot of um, um, racial um, issues and conversations are definitely conflated with class because what we can't also do um, is deny or ignore or blindside ourselves to the fact that disparities do exist and disparities are um, unfortunately um, still very much alive in, in our social culture in the UK and I know definitely in the US. But I think a lot of those issues is not to do with a system that is purposely rigged in 2022 to put down a group or so on and so forth. Unfortunately, I believe class plays a lot into it, even though that's not talked about a lot. I do think um, agency or lack of is due to it. And we can have that argument and play that game. Well, that may also be due to historical events and so on and so forth. But I think there comes a time that one has to look at how far things have come, look at the wealth of knowledge and wealth of I mean, yesterday I went to, I just went on Eventbrite and I, I went to a, a, a free course, you know, of how to literally just expand your brain. And, and I was blown away and I was thinking, wow, I literally just went on my phone and in a in few hours later, I was in this mind blowing event that was actually quite life altering for me. Mm-hmm. So there is no excuse now, of course, just to say just to say a bit further, further, of course, they, they, it was, the course was phenomenal. And then there was like an invitation to further on into the course, which costs like 5,000 pounds, which I don't have right now. So yes, th- there are some things that are um, restricted, if I can say, I'm not trying to say because of my race, but I'm trying to give it a simple example that mm-hmm. even though some things you may not have access to, quote unquote, but there is a wild, wide range and wealth of resources that one can simply just go to enrich themselves you know and see how opportunities and um and you know open open up to them and see how they're able to um you know experience life in a new and different way so yeah Mm -hmm. Well, that brings up the conversation really of uh, equality versus equity, because you're right, in in 2022, what we were experiencing was uh, equality of opportunity. We do not all start at the same starting line. However, we were at a time where we were seeing a Black U.S. president, right now a vice president. Um, it, It does ignore the fact that like minority groups when they come to Canada, I just know what's happening in Canada, um, people tend to do really, really well. People who come to this country with a very hard worth, work ethic do surprisingly well. And it also might ignore the fact that there are white people living in, in poverty as well. So it, it felt like we were getting to a really good place, but now what we're seeing is equality is not good enough. We need equity. And I don't think a lot of people quite understand that word. I think they think that equity 
means equality, but it means something very different. And maybe you could speak to that on whether that's a uh, progressive thing or a regressive thing, in your opinion. Yeah, sure. And and first of all, um, Kamala Harris is is not black, right? She's she's mm. <laughs> she's black and Asian now. I am. I know to get the black vote, she was black um, up to the point of the election. We they made sure to parade her around, you know, the Timberlands, and you know, yeah. show how black she was. And then when she she won um, the position, um, then she became South Asian. So th- this is the problem with. Yeah, this is the problem with labels and it's literally used for exploitation purposes. And it's just literally so insulting that just, you know, that I I don't like to play the party game, but that was the case that I saw the Democratic Party playing this label game. And, you Mm. know, and and people do fall for it. And and that is the, the truth. That's why they continue to play this game, because people are unfortunately still seeing, oh, that's someone who quote-unquote looks like me even though there's nothing similar about you apart from you know she's a little bit she's not white let me let me put it that way the only similarity you have to that person on that podium whatever is that they're not white that's what the message is so that's the first thing and you know I this whole thing with equality for me is is um rather bizarre because while I personally don't believe that it's just hard work that gets someone um, um, into the door or, uh, or helps someone to achieve success, um, because I do believe that it's hard work. Um, I do believe luck plays a, a part in it as well. Not privilege. That's a different thing, mm-hmm. you know, that people like to use this word. You know, I've, I've had a lot of um, good you know opportunities thankfully in my life a lot of it was a lot of hard work let me let me say that right now it was a lot of you know self-studying hours and hours of self-studying to get the positions I wanted be in employment or school but a lot of it was luck in terms of just being at the right place at the right time meeting the right people randomly so a lot of it is luck and I think a a lot of people don't um understand that and that's why they sort of stay in this kind of bubble and they don't branch out they don't try new things because then the more you try new things the more you invite different things into your life the more you into your life the more you invite new opportunities but equality every you know human beings we're equal in dignity everyone knows that but we are different we are different in talent we are different in skill um we are different in desires in what we want um i was reading Um, when I was reading the race report in the UK, um, which is a a report that came out two years ago now, maybe, or less than that, um, claiming that um, the UK wasn't systemically racist. And that report, you know, as you can imagine, was, um, you know, mocked those who compiled the report, even though they were black people. And, you know, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, they were reviled. But that report, you know, there was something I read in it that I found so interesting and it was the fact that you know when you know when they do the statistics and which I statistics game game as well is so problematic for me because it doesn't tell the whole story but it it gives us an indication of how things are but it did the whole statistics of wealth income in the UK um, and income and and employment and it found that um, Asian women they were sort of near the bottom 
or at the bottom of, of these statistics figures. And when I say Asian, I, meant, I mean South Asian, um, not East Asian like Chinese and so on. But what it, what it noticed, what this report, report pointed out is that actually within their culture, you know, whether you agree or, or, or not, you know, the women tended to stay home and look after the home, you know, look after the children, um, you know, and so on, take care of their husbands, you know, within, I, I, I don't know if it's a tenant of Islam, I, I don't know, I'm not even going to comment, but within their culture, maybe not religion, but within that culture, that was definitely the case. So how can you then force, you know, equality on outcome in that situation in terms of, well, let's raise all the women up in, in society, regardless of race and culture. Let's put all the women in all societies. And then some cultures are like, actually, we don't believe in that. Going back to what I was saying about different things that make different people happy. Work mm -hmm. and money doesn't make everyone happy. That's just the fact of it. Whatever you say, whatever you try to do, whatever feminist noise you try to make, everyone is different. Not everyone wants to be rich. Not everyone wants to, you know, have this and that amount of money to just the, for the sole purpose of tidying up or making your statistics figure look nice. They don't want that. Mm -hmm. So how, how I, the challenge and what we need to find a way of doing is finding a balance that we need to make sure that there is real and genuine um equal opportunity because sometimes you know we can't deny that discrimination still does exist so we need to make sure that we tackle that problem as much as we want but we can't force people into spaces that maybe doesn't interest them and it's nothing to do with group stereotype or anything like that but it's just the fact that there are some individuals that maybe don't want to be a scientist or a doctor or a classical musician and so on and so forth. Because I just find it odd that it's some spaces that we, we advocate for equality of outcome and not all spaces, right? So moving mm -hmm. away from the racial talk and let's say, you know, um, women's equality and women's rights, it seems like there's a lot of noise of, well, we need an equal amount or or a more representative amount of um, female CEOs, right? But there's not much noise about other sectors of society where women are not um, usually in those, in those spaces, right? The more manual fields and manual work, maybe security guards, maybe plumbers and so on. So it's very selective, even when they talk about equality of outcome. It sounds like there's a, a, a fine line between color blindness or culture blindness and these equity policies or CRT, like there almost needs to be somewhere in between. Do you think it's possible to be colorblind or even helpful? Because I'm, I'm hearing it, it is important to recognize also our differences, but maybe some of us are taking it too far. Exactly, too far and either extreme is wrong. I have a lot, a few friends that are advocating for a raceless society. So let us not see the race. And I do think that would be the ideal because I don't believe that race is a biological um, um, or natural um, thing. I think it's something that was constructed by human beings for two reasons, for exploitation and to try and make sense of things around them. The second 
thing is not wrong. We are human beings. We like to make sense of things that honestly, maybe it's not for you to make sense of, right? That's why there's a lot of issues and questions when it comes to what is the meaning of life? What happens after life? Like we're always trying to quantify and make a scientific basis for everything. And, you know, it's, it's that nature of man, right? To try and dominate even reason itself. And there's some things that we can't understand. And it is, I find it very spectacular that we can be so different, you know, as human beings, but, you know, technically, genetically the same right? How does one explain? I know there's a lot of scientific explanations of, you know, how different groups, you know, evolved and so on and so on, but we are still genetically the same. So we have to recognize that different things drive different groups. And then going deeper into that, different things drive different individuals, right? But we have to remember that at the core, we are the same. And I think that's definitely um, something that's going to be difficult. Um, now, I, when I was um, sort of um, going through this area of racelessness and, and so on and so forth, like I said, I find it very idyllic, but I do, th for example, people said to me, because I was having a little rant about these racial terms like black and white and how they, to me, don't make sense at all because, you know, for example, you know, I remember when I came to this country, I wasn't black, I was African, right? The, the black people wouldn't call me black, they would call me African. But then I would be called black when it was to suit a narrative or, you know, and so it's very confusing. It's, it's very fluid racial terms, not just black, any other racial term, white. White is even more <laughs> to me because those who are it seems that those who are constructed as white don't even classify themselves as white, you know? So I was having a little rant about these racial terms and people were like, well, so what do you want to do? Get rid of the terms. And I said, no, not necessarily, because I don't care if you still, I'm not like Morgan Freeman yet. I don't mind if you still call me a black woman or and I call you a black, a black, a white woman, shall I say. Um, but I think the issue is ascribing essentialist ideas, essentialist qualities to those individuals and to those groups. So it can be something as benign as all white people are racist and inherently evil, all black people are criminals and backward, all Asians are this. And it can be something as benign as that, or it can be other things, you know, it can be even cute, quote unquote, quote, cute things, you know all white people you know I don't I can't think of anything now but any essential any essentialist thing I think that's where the problem is any assumption of that's why I want to get rid of these census forms because the rationale to get rid to have these census forms is well we need to know what to do or what will serve each community best but everyone within that community is different in the same in 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 the first place right not all black people have the same ideas right there's nigerian blacks there's caribbean blacks there's black british so it's it's very 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 uh, misleading and unhelpful so striking that balance i think the best way to strike that balance going back on myself is to get rid of those racial terms 
and concentrate on the culture because culture is a real thing. And different cultures generate different values, different belief systems, sometimes completely different. We just don't realize it as much in multicultural societies because you kind of meet in the middle with each other, right? To kind of maintain that national identity and so on. But if you leave each culture to, to their own, you see that some cultures don't even have 12 months in a year, they have 13. Some people's, <laughs> um, some people's calendars are different. Like the Jewish calendar is completely different. So that will obviously affect how you see the world. Recognize the culture, leave the race alone because race doesn't exist. That's beautiful. I do love that. My, my fear too, when we swing too far to the absolutism, everything is racist. The system is racist. Last year we canceled, last year or two years ago, we canceled Canada Day because Canada was racist. Math is racist. My fear when we go that far is that the people that were already good and moral people who were very, very conscious, who want to treat people well, um, like they already believe that. But when we take it too far, the people maybe who do have some learning to do in empathy and compassion, they check out from this conversation. They start to get aggressive. And I don't think it appears to be the way forward. You're perfectly right. And I think you, you summarized it really well. There's three things that happens when you do this whole, the country is racist, you know, everyone is racist in it. Um, life is racist and so on and so forth. There's three, three, three things like that happens that you touched on. The first is that those who do believe, you know, in let's use this word social justice, social justice, which I know has a bad rep now, but at the end of the day, you know, there are still injustices in the world and let's keep it to racial injustice. It still happens in the world. So like you said, they become indifferent and they say, they literally say, well, if everyone is racist and if no matter what I do, I'm racist or I'm benefiting from this so-called so-called system of racism, then fine, there's nothing I can do. So I do nothing and I leave it. And like you said, they check out. Then there's others that say that that react in aggression, right? And some of those are true racists, you know, that have more ammunition to actually, you know, dig in their values and their racist beliefs more. Yes, we are racist and that's it. So it's good you acknowledge it because we're going to come out in full swing now kind of thing. Or those who react in a defensive way, you know, because they can't, they feel they can't meet in the middle, so they completely, you know, react in, in a way that's also not unhelpful um, to race relations. And, and to be honest, that's understandable. If you try to tell me that I'm something I'm not, let's say, for example, today, there's like this big push against, let's say, drug cartels, for example. It's just a silly, stupid example. And let's say my so-called group is the group that's predominantly involved with this line of work or, or, or whatever. And then I have completely nothing to do with it. You know, I'm just a random girl, you know, trying to do my nine to five. And there's this narrative of, well, everyone, every Nigerian is involved with that. I, I wouldn't like that at all. And I will be very aggressive about it to make you understand that that's nothing to do with me. And you're actually an idiot for assuming so. And then you have others that just react. And this is the worst kind for me. Um, 
those, and we touched on it earlier, those who feel guilty and because they don't know what to do with that guilt, then the pandering comes, then the infantilization comes. You know, I spoke with my friend a few months ago about um, a case in, in the US where a black man was, was acquitted. I don't know, actually, let me, let me not say what I don't know. I don't know if he was acquitted, but I know he murdered a, a white woman and um, stabbed her around 40 times, basically. And it 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 was left to the jury and and a white um, juror. She said, "Well, I really don't feel comfortable sending a black man to jail." And it was just like, "What? You know what 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 is even happening? That that doesn't matter." I know by explaining the story, I said white, black, and so on, but th- that is not in any way, shape, or form important to the case. All mm-hmm. that happened is a a man. Or even if we want to even forget the man-woman thing, a human killed another human brutally. That human needs to pay the consequences, right? So Mm -hmm. that guilt, because they don't know what to do with that guilt, they become irrational. And again, that's understandable because this narrative doesn't make sense. Does racism exist? Yes. But to say that the United Kingdom is a racist country is completely stupid you know in the words of one of our um mps which is like a a member of of the government here her name is kemi badenoch and she's also a a black woman and in her words i will repeat and say that england is one of the best places if not the best place to be a black person in the world because a lot of other places you know with very unstable systems and structures you know, I don't think people can say the same in those in those places. But just to summarize, you know, this is the fact that we can not we, but the fact that these statements can be made so outlandishly is proof for me that the UK um, is a great place to be a black person because it is far from possible to be able to speak in this way you know, against other countries and their systems and their governments and so on and so forth without being in very serious, in, without being very serious trouble. So I think it is testament. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't um, criticize, doesn't mean that we can't search for or seek for um, areas of improvement. Like I said recently, when talking about um, a new civil, route, civil rights group um, that's been formed in the UK, there's nothing wrong with that group, but I think to pretend um, that it is so difficult to live as a black person in this country, I think that's absurd. Hmm. In Canada, I, I'm not sure if they have passed it yet, um, but Bill 67 is in the House, which will uh, essentially mandate CRT into the educational sector at every level. So it will be uh, a prerequisite if you want to be an educator, uh, it must be taught in schools. And I, ha- I have concerns about anything being mandated. I, I wouldn't also say don't teach CRT because I believe in free speech and I think we should be able to talk about everything. But what's concerning to me in Canada is mandating a certain theory, especially into the educational sector, which means you create young people all believing and adhering to, again, a certain way 
or else. Um, and I think a lot of Canadians don't quite understand uh, specifically anti-racism theory and how it's different than being not racist. Exactly. And, you know, the biggest, biggest, biggest problem I have with CRT, which is, you know, an intellectual kind of thought movement that happened in the United States, but seems to be, you know, um, being Im implanted in, in the UK and Canada, which I find a little bit odd anyway. But the biggest problem I have about it is the fact that they say, well, it's just, you know, um, it's just a conceptual framework. It's just a way of analyzing the systems, it's just critical theories. It's, 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 it's criticizing systems, not people. But then, you know, especially when you link that with anti-racist training, like I was mentioning a little bit before, it does pin white people as some sort of enemy, you know, as this group that is, you know, has this, let me call it the, the oppressor trait. It does do that because who makes up who who makes up society and, and systems? If I can say it's people. So when you say whiteness is a is a is an evil, you know, mm -hmm. and then you in <laughs> then you identify people with that same whiteness, right? So it's not like you're saying whiteness is a system, or, you know, or whatever. You're saying you're saying that, but then you're pinning that same trait to individuals as well by saying what you know this so-called in individual needs to check their privilege, right? Even though they could be doing so much less, so much worse, can I say, than, you know, the black person next to them. But it doesn't matter because they're not black. That's, that's the message, right? Even if you're doing poorly, it doesn't matter because you're not black and you're not going to see life as a black person. But what does that even mean? Because I'm, see, I'm a black person, right? I'm racialized as black and I don't see life how these people are thinking I see life. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't live in the United States because I have family in Colorado, I have family in Texas, I have family in LA, and they do not, I guarantee you, because I know their lives, they are blessed, thankfully. You know, I know how they are doing and others can say it's, it's um, that they're the anomaly, right? Because that's another thing that comes up when, you're a successful black person. Well, you must have, you're the exception. What did you do? You know, how did you, um, how did you play along with the white rules and all these things. And no one consist considers the fact that there is literally one simple formula to life. You know, give your best and life will give it back to you. Mm -hmm. Now there are circumstances, unfortunately, that we cannot control, but Carla, I am not a believer that is your guarantee for you to have a less than life because oh, we are freaking bombarded with examples of billionaires today who came from nothing. Mm -hmm. The sugar moguls in, in America, forgot their names now. I think they're two brothers from, if I'm not mistaken, Cuba. I'm sure they're from Cuba, but their name escapes me. They, they, they escaped tyranny in, in Cuba. You know, they 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 were they came as young children um, with their father. Their father, I, I, he worked in um, something a very menial position. You know, and that's where they started from. So they didn't come from privilege. They came from the, one of the worst conditions. And today, they are they fund governmental campaigns from the country 
to a country's um, governmental systems that they were not even born in. I'm very fascinated. I've been very fascinated recently by a black boy from Senegal who I forgot. I think his name is Kabi or KB. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. And he's under 30. He's a very young boy and he's on the Forbes list. He's literally a millionaire, multi multi-millionaire. And he, he came from nothing as well, from Senegal. And, you know, he just made videos on TikTok. And I watched some of his videos and they make my day. And of course, now he branches another thing. I, I saw him on a Hugo Boss advert. Um, and I said to my partner, oh my gosh, look, look at what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Just little things, little ways that one can find success. So I am never going to be of, of the opinion that a system needs to change for you to, for you to change or for you to find opportunities or make something decent out of your life. Like we just have too many examples that say the contrary. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I started off this, this journey of being interested in this information um, when the Black Lives Matter movement um, hit. And I, I went through several anti-racism trainings. I did an anti-racist yoga teacher training. I read Kendi, I read D'Angelo and it was deeply uncomfortable and i'm okay with discomfort my my job that i do we deal with shadow work we deal with some very uncomfortable things trauma so i was really honestly very willing to learn i'm i'm and when i kept feeling the discomfort after a lot of time here um and it something just didn't sit right with me and what didn't sit right was the cause and effect things seemed to be getting worse not better and if I were to question that, then I was told that that was uh, my white fragility or my white tears. And it prevented from like just asking any questions for a long time. And I think that's what happens to many people. Okay, I'm just not gonna ask any questions about that. But like with any movement, right? Like if we can't ask questions, if we can't poke holes in the theory, um, there is no growth. And maybe if there, was a willingness to be able to ask questions and say, you know, I agree with this, but I'm not too sure about this thing. Um, without that, we can create some pretty dangerous policies because it's through that um, investigation, through that discovery process that we do make really good policies that that benefit people. But um, can you can you speak to uh, Black Lives Matter in, in particular, because things are really just starting to unravel with that movement now and we're we're seeing more of those holes shining through right now yeah the the worst thing that came from black lives matter is the fact that people can't or now feel uncomfortable to question the narrative even though i think that has definitely changed now because people have recognized that black lives matter is literally just a political movement you know, they're just a polit political organization, a political, it's not a social movement or social group. They do use social issues, but it's to advance their political ideas, right? Because, you know, once we realize that social issues don't belong, even though politics can, of course, influence politics, can as assist in, you know, whatever regulations and, and things need to come to help in those areas, but social, social issues shouldn't be, you know, a, a Trojan horse to further people's political ideas. And it should have no part, it should have no party um, um, 
allegiance is what I'm saying. For example, everyone agrees that um, there can be a lot of improvement in the policing um, department. We all agree that there's no party, you know, there's not one specific party that doesn't, you know, think that because everyone understands and sees that there's specific training, you know, there's definitely more, um, you know, learning, especially that's needed on the, on the side of the police. But we've made it very political that if you say defund the police, then that means you're from this side of the political spectrum. Then if you say we need more police, then it means, well, you must be from this side. And that's not necessarily the case. And repeating and repeating what I, I keep saying, we're all the same. We all think the same things. But it's been so politicized that one cannot even decipher what even they think or they can't even sort of be confident in their views and, and their opinions. For example, many black people, it's not just white people or anyone else, many black people feel ashamed, feel really ashamed, feel like they're not quote unquote black because they have certain ideas. Like I mentioned before, um, some people wanting more police but it's it's very difficult for them within their friendship groups it's different when you're being interviewed on the street and you know you know um it, it, you know it's not your own friendship group around but I can't imagine many boys within their group saying yeah I think we need more police on the streets kind mm -hmm. of thing you know I, I think it's really sad so the the fact that people feel uncomfortable to ask questions we're going to see um we're going to witness great repercussions on the back of that because it's through questioning, right? It's funny because they say question the system, question the authority, but we're not asking the real questions. We're not asking the questions that will really allow us to, to come together. It seems like the questions that are being asked are just for the purposes of division. Mm -hmm. So why did, for example, why did white people enslave black people? And why is there, and then you link it to today. So then why is it the fact that we see that some black people don't fare, where, fare well in some areas in society? So there's that link. And sometimes it's, it's very disingenuous, right? Mm -hmm. So asking questions is the way to, to build bridges. Um, you mentioned um, a lot of anti-racist um, racist sessions. I've not been a part of that, even witnessed it. So, but I can imagine that it's a lot of telling of how things are, right? It's a lot of reinforcing a narrative of how things are. And it's, a nev it's never a thing of, well, tell me about your experience. Let's say if you're white, let's say if you're a black person that doesn't conform to the narrative, tell me about what you really think. I was listening to Roland Fryer and he's a black economist and he was talking about um, the abuse he got when he, he did, um, he, he did a report that highlighted um, that actually the, the, this narrative that police hunt black people is actually not as factual as many people wanted it to be. Now he was a black, he was, a, he's a black man and he's been, according to him, he's had very bad experiences with the police himself. And he actually did the report to, to prove um, that black people actually, um, do get it worse by, by the police. But his report, because he is an intelligent man, he used his logic, his reason, his expertise, not his emotion, 
not his preconceived ideas. He actually found the complete opposite. And I found him so remarkable in the way, in the methods he used. For example, he went on ride-alongs with the police officers to see exactly how they did their job. And he was blown away. He was talking about a time that he, he went with the police officer and they were called on to a scene when, where someone overdosed and died. And after seeing that, he, he said, look, I can't do it anymore. I'm going home for the day. And he was so outst- um, surprised that the police officer just went straight to the next job. Mm. And that amazed him. He was, he was just taken aback. How, how is that? He, his mind couldn't comprehend that. So I'm saying all that to say that sometimes all we need is to ask the right question. And sometimes asking the right question is not just in words, is really seeing life through the other person and how they see it and how they live it. If you are really a white person that really thinks black people are oppressed, really talk to black people. Mm-hmm different kinds of black people if you're a, a, a black person and you think white people have life so easy they never even get um, um issues because of the color of their skin yeah i know people find that so odd for me to say but now that we're seeing um these forced quotas now we're seeing these this push for equality i'm seeing with that demonization of white men i'm seeing demonization in an indirect way of course of white people or those who are racialized as white and I say that to say that not even all these so-called white people are even the European white some might be Latino white and so on and so forth but they all get lumped into this group Mm -hmm. talk to people um that's that's really what I want to say yeah well, it, it does seem like some things are getting regressive because the like the golden rule is you treat others the way that you would like to be treated yourself um, and that we should just be loving other people and open and taking very good care of one another. But that's not quite what we're seeing right now. It's actually you should be treating people very, very differently in regards to their race. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's it's so sad because that that takes away there, there's no progress in that in my opinion if the aim of this whole you know movement is for race racial harmony and racial conciliation it doesn't happen by treating people differently especially when the different is because you know you mentioned there's a move away from treating people as you want to be treated there's a lot of blame culture i see um nowadays there's a lot of assigning guilt there's a lot of looking for who can be responsible or what can be responsible more the who can be responsible to why i'm not where i want to be why i'm not who i want to be why i don't have what i want to have you know and it's 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 very regressive like you say if we move back to this idea i know with technology and social media and this age of increased self-expression I know it's difficult to do but if we really move back all of us regardless of race to that notion of self-accountability looking within you will see that there's a lot of you know shortcomings on your side as well you will see how imperfect and how you know fallible you are as a human being and that allows you if you do it maturely if you do it rationally 
that allows you to see and treat others with grace as well. The reason I don't bl blame or I don't engage in this blame culture or this idea of, you know, I'm not where I want to be because of the history, because of a white man and because of this people are evil. The reason I don't have this idea or ideology is because I know even, let's say, my people, let's use that word, have done abominable things as well. That's human beings. That's, that's the human history. It's been a toss around of power until today, right? It's been a toss around of power of, of who can exploit who, who can get the better of who on an individual level, on social levels, on national levels, and so on and so forth. But what doesn't help now and what will not help going forward is treating diff people differently, better or worse, you know, ascribing guilt or evil or whatever else, even good things, even um, assigning good things to people, you know, white people are this or black people are, you know, can never do wrong or because of their history, they, you know, everything they do is because of the burden of whatever, you know, any essentialist thinking is completely wrong. You know, we can't, you know, move away from the greats, the great thoughts, you know, left to us by, you know, Mandela and, you know, and Martin Luther King with their amazing character, even in the face of real, not imagined, and I'm not trying to diminish anyone's experience, but I have to say this and then you take from it what you want to take from it. Wow, their character, you know, they, they oozed life. They oozed positivity. And I don't mean positivity in this kind of, you know, you know, loose way, but that positivity that carries with the energy, right? That transforms you just by being in their presence. You know, we can't go from that and them seeing the, the beauty of man, or no, let me not, let me not be too much, the complexity of man. We can't, and you know, that's what formed their thoughts. That's what formed, you know, their sayings and so on. We can't go from that. And then we're here in 2022. Well, actually, no, this group is evil. You have to treat that group that way. You can't talk to that group this way. Please don't look at that group that way. We, we, we just, I, I just can't, that does not make sense to me whatsoever. So, yeah. Well, and I love that you just took a really big problem. And in that police story, for example, what was the solution? He met someone, he talked to a police officer. And that really is how we shatter a lot of these divisive lines is, again, conversation and, and meeting people and cancel culture prevents that. It prevents conversation. It prevents the very thing that might actually bind us when you cancel someone sure they're punished but they didn't learn anything there was no learning there um if they are a hateful or bigoted person it's probably just going to send them the other way even worse but yeah i, I think that's the biggest thing in our way of actually healing and coming together again i find cancel culture quite funny because it, the aim of it is actually right to, you know, ruin someone. But with some of these cancel, you know, cancellation antics, it actually brings more notoriety to the person that they seek to cancel in the, in the first place. So I actually mm -hmm. see it as quite a, you know, 
a good way for advertising because most of the people that got cancelled in the past two years some of them I'd never heard of them before until they were apparently cancelled and then you start looking into them looking into their work their products their shop so it's I don't know maybe that's the aim and we, we're just playing the game without realizing it <laughs> oh my I'm not having much sales or no one's watching my movies let me find a way to be cancelled and then the whole world is talking about you but you know it's when it is genuine you know cancellation of or attempt to cancel someone it is still very um counterproductive because you you create an atmosphere that makes it very difficult um for people to say what they might what may need be needed for them to say so the water doesn't move it it stays still and stagnant there's no progression there's no growth there's no movement you know and it's very mob-like you know and it's definitely no way to in the long run it it works and it brings this you know this false sense of satisfaction but in the long run you will see that you you will do a full 360 because nothing has actually changed but cancel culture, just like the aggression and polarization, is also not new as well. Definitely, it's not new. Um, in the past, there's been loads of examples of people being cancelled. Um, but those times, it was more to do with, you know, more serious things uh, or, you know, things that, for example, people being, quote unquote, cancelled because of the colour of their skin, because they were gay in a time where homosexuality was not you know, um, accepted, right? Um, we know Alan Turing, the mathematician who was quote unquote canceled and they would try to imprison him just because he was gay. So that's real cancellation. It's not what we see now of, oh, well, no one's gonna like or retweet you or, you know, it, it, like I said, social media has just exacerbated it and made it more visible. But definitely cancel culture has happened throughout time. And in those times, they had the same idea. So it was a thing of, not with the examples I gave, with other kind of examples where it was like, well, you said something wrong, so we're going to quote unquote cancel you. Albeit they did it in different ways. So we'll cancel you so that you can realize your mistakes and you know be humble and not do it again. But I think we live in a different time now where people, you know, like I mentioned before, they don't see it as me realizing my mistake. They see it as no, well, you can't, I'm going to prove to you that you can't cancel me. And they might say more outrageous things, right? Mm -hmm. But in any case, it really, I really respect people who, like, for example, JK Rowling, and, you know, she's been apparently cancelled, or people like Ricky Gervais that they've tried to cancel for his jokes, or people like Dave Chappelle that they've tried to cancel, and they keep moving, they stay consistent in their views and their beliefs and that that's a that brings a lot of hope to people like myself and like yourself who are in this space you know I always say to people I'm not big enough to be cancelled if I do get quote-unquote big enough to be cancelled I will not stop speaking my mind because and I pray to God I never lose this um, idea or mindset the worst thing for me is not saying what I think I'm not trying to be anything. I'm saying exactly what goes through my head every day when I say, should I say this? But this will offend. But I got backlash in my, I got backlash in my last video. 
mm-hmm. I do have those fears. Mm, what if it goes to my job or my family, which everyone, everyone in my job and family knows exactly what I do anyway. So just make a difference. But let's just say that doesn't terrify me as much as the fear or let me not say the fear. The, the biggest problem for me is not being able to say what is inside of my head. If mm-hmm. I'm wrong, I want you to tell me. I want to know. But mm-hmm. you will not stop me from saying what is inside this brain of mine. You will not stop me from using my words, be it written, be it spoken. You, you, you just cannot stop me. That, is my, that will be my biggest regret. I think and I think if everyone thinks like that and if everyone respects that right because you know it it is a human right let's not forget this the freedom to express to have a thought (laughs) because soon they're going to come for the thoughts but and they're already trying to rewire the thoughts of 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 society right so they're already tampering with our thoughts and telling us what to think which is another Mm -hmm. thing but even to, to think or to say what you think, you know, it, it's becoming more and more problematic today. Well, you can say what you think if you agree with the mainstream. Um, so I think that should be everyone's biggest fear. The, the fear of being cancelled should not come close to the fear of not being able to say what you should or what you need to say. It's, it's my biggest fear, especially in our country with um, the censorship bills that they're trying to pass. Um, when I think about the things that people have been canceled for, for example, and the things that are considered hate speech that, in my opinion, have been quite frivolous when especially these things do exist. And it waters down real injustices and big injustices. And while technically now in Canada, you can say whatever you want for the most part, we're really teetering on the line here where you can't. And absolutely what's happening today is most people are too afraid. They're too afraid. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it really waters down um, the real, there are real big issues going on in the world. and. You know, I don't contradicting myself, but you know, my aim is not to offend, so I'm not going to. But some of the things that I see people from, let me say, the West complaining about, that's so unfair, you know, against them. I I say, look, you need to, you need to travel. You really need to travel. I came from a place that wasn't so bad, but there there was some, there is some stuff going on there today. That's just, that's why people leave. That's mm-hmm. why I say I said before, that's why people almost lose their lives to leave these places. I don't see anyone losing their lives to leave UK, Canada or the US. I don't see it. They complain a lot, but they stay because they know that the injustice, quote unquote, injustice, you know, that there's faith in in these countries is zero. Again, I'm not trying to diminish anyone's experience but we need to have we need to be mature we need to have perspective Mm -hmm. because I also don't like this thing of well I'm not going to try and improve my life because other people have it worse than me I really hate that mentality as well Mm -hmm. but we can't pretend that we have that's why I say can't pretend that you have it so bad here you 
you, you know, you're tweeting from your iPhone, you have electricity to be able to do that, Wi-Fi, running water, just things that we take for granted. That, you know, I was watching a story of a little girl, you know, she's HIV positive, her mom's HIV positive, the baby's HIV positive in, in Southern Africa. I don't, I think it was Zimbabwe, but I'm not too sure. And it, it put me to tears. It really did because, you know, this eight-year-old girl, she, she takes care of everything. She has to walk how many miles just to get water that I just, you know, went off the shop, paid a pound and I got. And her mom is weak. Her mom's dying. So her mom's not able to take care of herself. Her mom, she poos herself. And the girl was speaking in a language saying, you know, I have to clean up the poo. You know, and, you know, the little girl that she is, you know, she's like, the poo really smells. And, you know, it, it was just, it wasn't pleasant to watch, you know. And I know people hearing this now will say, well, it's the white man's fault. This is what we mean. And this is what I mean. There, there is injustice in the world. And, you know, a lot of people play a part in this of all races, you know. But to sit here on, you know, in, in the UK here in London and say, well, the system is against me and, and all these things. It's just, yeah. Well, just yeah. what, what a horrible world to live in where the assumption is everyone is out to get you. The world is a bad place. The system is set up to forever um, harm you. And even when I think of something like silly, like comedians being canceled, everything a comedian says is offensive it's kind of the point i would never want to go to a comedy show where they didn't do that and i am for things being kind and inclusive and i'm very intentional with my language but when i go and witness comedy it's they're saying things to shock you and the world right now everyone is really walking on eggshells and terrified of one another um, it just doesn't seem a, a good way forward. And knowing all of these things that we talked about today, what what do you think are some solutions to find that middle place, the place between pretending that race doesn't exist at all and then taking it too far to the other side and making everything about race? What do you think are some just small steps even just to move us out of this period? Well, I think to understand and to be aware of the injustices that do exist in all part, in every part of the world and not subscribing it, you know, to a racial group. First of all, this idea of race really needs to die. It really needs to die because it's, it's, it's the most divisive, divisive thing that man has made, in my opinion. It, it does nothing but skew, it skews reality and it divides us, you know? Because even this thing of this girl I talked about, you know, you will have, I have a problem with two kinds of ideas regarding that situation. One side is, well, maybe Africans are backward if they can't help themselves that's that you know or well their leaders need to sort it out but we are this thing of countries and boundaries it's all man-made these are not natural things so 
to have this idea of well it's their problem or it's this this color's problem or whatever that needs to go and then this also on the other extreme of well it's the white person's problem and they this is how they've been this is how they are and and so on and so forth so I guess all the, all this is an example of why we need to get rid of this racial idea anyway, because it's all our problem. You know, for those who are more spiritual, you know, um, and understand that it's lit- we are literally just one consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So how can you say that this is this isn't something I should worry about? Now I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna mention something in a little bit as well, because people can take that too far as well. But you know, you're hurting. If you allow someone to hurt like that and you're ignorant about it, you're hurting yourself. We're all one consciousness, right? We're all energy and it all forms into one. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand. That's why I will never understand a true racist's mentality because it's like you're hating someone who is you, if that makes sense. When mm-hmm. the Europeans tried to justify slavery and say, well, they're not man. They, they were, you were enslaving you if that makes sense. So I don't get a true um, supremacist thinking. Um, But I also don't understand um, when people, um, for example, like I was saying, they take on the whole burden of the whole world. There's a lot out there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on out there, you know, and if you're going to be a social justice warrior for every injustice, good on you. Like I said a few days ago, the reason I don't have the energy to fight the system because or handle the system is I sometimes I struggle to handle myself. I'm a full time job. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll start with myself, you know, I'll make sure it's all OK up here all the time. And then I do what I can. It's impossible for everyone. And that is the aim, I think, of mainstream media. They are trying to make people, everyone feel guilty about everything. If you're not tweeting about Ukraine, why aren't you? You're a horrible human being. Bearing in mind that some people didn't even know what Ukraine was before all this started. But all of a sudden, I'm pro-Ukraine and they read all the history. And with every new event, Carla, everyone's reading the history and educating themselves about every single event. And let's rewind five, six years ago. We were all just happy doing our own thing. doing our... Now, like I said, it's good in one part because it makes you aware. But it's a big place we live the world is a big place there's a lot of people here and there is no way that I can cognitively you know psychologically emotionally mentally take on every pain look how I look how that one story of that one little girl made I'm still thinking about it today it really disturbs me so now I need to be worried about the animals FGM the climate you know the system here the system there What's happening with, it's just, I I can't. And that's selfish, I know. But this is why, yes, we need to educate ourselves. We need to be aware. We need to do what we can. But if we take on more than we can, then what happens is that we become emotionally exhausted human beings. Mm -hmm. And everything we do, everything we say becomes counteractive and actually very harmful to the Mm -hmm. thing that we're trying to help or or progress in the first place so I will answer your question by saying this take care of yourself mm-hmm. then take care of your world take care of your own little world we all have our own little little world make sure that's tight make sure that's intact 
then if you can extend to that and you're you're able to you have the financial means you have you know this the platforms to do it do it respectfully rationally don't cause more issues you know to whatever thing you're trying to progress blaming other human beings it just doesn't work just Mm -hmm. doesn't I'm in complete agreement. I think too many of us are skipping our inner work and going straight to social issues, which is either depleting us by making us ambivalent or making us really reactive. Um, and it's funny, I, I teach yoga, I do coaching, and someone was saying what what a privilege it is to do this work. And I said, well, yes, and also it's essential. It's essential because if we all did this work, inner work, if we connected to our spirit, if we connected to God, whatever you want to call it, if we did more of that, we wouldn't have these other issues where we were treating each other so poorly to begin with. It definitely starts right here. So, uh, yeah, you you nailed it. <laughs> so did so did you. So did you. And I'm so grateful um, to have come on today. And I'm actually very grateful for your work um, as well, because I think the more people um, that do this, especially the ones that are so-called shouldn't be doing this, maybe, or shouldn't have a voice or why are you going there? No, you don't go there. Don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's happening to you. I don't know if it is. I, I hope it's not. But in any case, whether it is or whether it isn't, that shouldn't be the aim of why we do this. The mainstream media, politicians, you know, race pundits, social pundits, they're trying to dehumanize us. You know, they're trying to um, turn us into avatars and caricatures of certain identities. And I love doing this because it it brings back that, you know, that common humanity. You are in Canada, I'm here, you're, I don't know your background, but you know my background and it doesn't matter because the common denominator is that we are both human beings and that's Mm -hmm. why I can vibe with you that's why I can relate with you and I just you know I think that's definitely what more what needs to happen more and then it sort of compounds out into you know that the larger society and and will we ever reach perfection impossible that's Mm -hmm. almost boring right you know there's humans there's, there's always this thing in us to solve the problem to and so on but can we definitely be better can we definitely close gaps of inequalities injustice disparities oh hell yes definitely is this the way to do it hell no so we need to try explore different avenues i think so i love that thank you so much for coming on the show um if people want to learn more about your work where can they find you where can they read about yeah different voice but uk that's my virtual home so that's different voice, not voices, dot UK. <laughs> one voice, one aim, one humanity. That's that's the way. Amazing. I'll make sure to take that in the show notes too, so people can find you. Um, I enjoyed this so much. Thank you for coming. Just two human beings having a conversation. How Beautiful. how dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Carla. Thank you.